This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap Vandy's 42-31 victory over Elon on Saturday night. Despite an ugly second half, the Commodores got to 2-0 and await the Wake Forest Demon Deacons at 11 a.m. on Saturday at First Bank Stadium. We'll run through each quarter of the Elon game, give you our three main takeaways, and analyze the final box score. We've got all that and much more coming right up on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride. Welcome into The Door Report. It is episode 176. It is September 5th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. They've been family-owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. You can call them at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. And, Will, we've got a game to recap. We've got another win to recap. Bandy is 2-0 and for the first time since 2018. And, and man, this season, it's just, it's just good vibes. It's just good vibes, man. And, obviously, the way it ended on Saturday night, especially that third, fourth quarter, left you with a little bit of a sour taste in, in Vanderbilt fans' mouth. But at the, at the end of the day, they got to win. They got a win, Will, 42-31 over the Elon Phoenix. It was a bad night to be a Phoenix. Great night to be a Commodore. We'll get to our three main uh, takeaways from that game. We'll start that series, and we'll discuss Vanderbilt being an eight-point underdog against Wake Forest, Will, which was pretty shocking. But, uh, Will, ugly game, but they got it done. A win is a win, and uh, there shouldn't be any complaining. (laughs) A win is a win is a win is a win, Billy. We have seen too many moral victories i do not care how the win happens it does not matter how pretty it is how ugly it is it all looks the same in the win-loss column and and when we look back i know that there are lessons to be taken away and we'll get into those when we get into our key takeaways but those lessons can be thought about the day after the victory as we build up to the wake forest game but two and oh billy after what we started with last season and then before that, with the 0-9 season, just take one second, step back, and there are a lot of positives to be taken away, but there are also a lot of learning points, and I think it's a lot better to be learning from an ugly loss that ended in a way like that than it would be uh, if they had really let it get away like things have happened in the past with Vanderbilt football. Yeah. So it's always better uh, to be learning when you uh, come out on top. So, But yeah. they did start out, Billy. This is one thing that uh, we can get into right before we get in uh, to the rest of this, but they started out fast. So it was the opposite. It, it was one of our key points going into this game was starting out quickly and, and getting up out to a lead early. They did that, which is not something that they've been able to do in the past, but they weren't able to close out, which is not an issue that, that we've seen. And, and how much of that was a hangover from Hawaii versus how much of that was Elon just kind of playing out of their minds. And we'll get to that when we go. Uh, what I think you have broken down quarter by quarter here 
as yes, we'll, as we'll uh, run we're, through this game, Billy. We're going quarter by quarter. We'll in-depth break down wall-to-wall uh, recap of uh, Vanderbilt and Elon. Well, I'll say this before we get to anything. Last year's team does not win that game on Saturday. Uh, I'll, I'll say that, and I'll stick by that. Last year, the, the ETSU is better than Elon, but Elon is a good FCS program. And last year's team does not. I don't. I don't think they find a way to, way to win that well, game. Well, we speculated if if Elon was going to be better than Hawaii. I think that was one hundred percent answered. Watching that game on Saturday, one hundred percent. Elon was definitely better than Hawaii, and Hawaii got their butt whooped by Western Kentucky, yeah, uh, who barely took care of Austin P. the the week before and week through. So, obviously, maybe a little bit of false hope in where this team had gotten, but but clearly improved from from what we saw on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, and getting a win, that's all that matters at this point for this program. I mean, getting the win, mm-hmm. that that's the biggest thing. So, we'll, we'll get into all of it. Before we get to the full recap, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram, door.report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. Let's get to the Elon recap. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's uh let's start here with our we'll we'll get to our three main takeaways, but um we will kind of we'll, we may even get to them uh as we go, but but we'll get to those separately after this this kind of quarter by quarter breakdown. But before we we get to that, will pregame festivities um were uh were better than I thought. I mean, I was able to go to the black and gold tailgate. I was a guest of Jim Arnold, uh, former Vanderbilt punter, and. I mean, I got to talk to guys like Whit Taylor, Kerry Spear, Watson Brown. It was so cool to see former players like Andre Howell uh, back on campus, Will Holden, so many guys that, that you know, you kind of look over at and you say, hey, they're coming back to campus. And that, that's something that I think is important. And, uh, you know, the top 100, that coincided with a lot of alums coming back on campus. And they were all honored at, uh, at halftime. So I think that helped a, a lot, especially with leading into the game. The rain didn't help. Uh, it 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 didn't. It didn't ever. There was. It wasn't ever a downpour, but it was. It was pregame, some light rain. But they, you know, it was a thirty, thirty, about a thirty-minute delay in that game. So, uh, really cool pregame festivities. Well, I know you were there about an hour before, um, but I thought before we get into anything, really, really cool how they how they honored the top one hundred in the hundredth anniversary of Vanderbilt Stadium. By the way, the video they they showed on the jumbotron, one of the best, mm-hmm. one of the best videos I've seen. At Vanderbilt Stadium, I mean the the, the announcer was was phenomenal. The the footage they had, so so that was great. Just to throw that out there, I mean I thought that was awesome how they did that. 
Yeah, once again, well, we'll have to go point by point. You hit on a few things I'd written down. But the first thing is the video content, which is what you ended on. You had that, and then you had the other pregame video, which I don't know if we previously talked about, but where they uh, were, well, I, I guess the pregame hype video, yeah, I don't know Parthenon. which one it was, where they were by the Parthenon. The yeah. Parthenon and in Broadway and all that. It was that cool. was awesome. And, and just that touching on everything associated with what social media has been doing as of late the video content the pictures everything is just a notch above they're, they're acting like an sec social media department they're dry they're consistently bringing out content tagging players interacting with fans and players more so that's something that just early i want to hit yeah. on it's just overall the social media team has has been a hundred times better but yeah the pregame festivities i mean they were they were good. Uh, I think the rain definitely hurt the crowd size a little bit. Uh, the game was delayed. Yeah. I think kickoff was delayed by 20 or 30 minutes. I was mm -hmm. there like two or three hours before pre-gaming a little bit. And there were quite a few people, quite a few people yeah. out there. It's not going to turn around overnight. You're, the, the crowd size and, and everything's not going to completely turn around overnight. But I really wish this weight game, since we're talking about pre-game festivities and crowd hype. And you wish I it was at night. On my Twitter, the... The Kansas State, it's not even at night. I just wish it wasn't at 11 a.m. It's like this game could have a lot more hype built up around it if it didn't kick at 11 a.m. This could be a lot more similar to that Kansas State game that they had, uh, what was that, 2018? I, it feels like a lot longer ago than 2018. Yeah. But, man, I it was. It was 2018 yep. because yep. that was the year with Shermer and Vaughn and Pinkney yep. and Lipscomb. And man, if it was at night, they would be able to build that up a little bit. It's going to be 11 a.m. It doesn't matter where the game is. It doesn't matter if it's in Knoxville or if it's in Gainesville, if it's in Tuscaloosa, if it's anywhere in the state of Texas, no matter the size of the fan base, it's going to feel a little weird kicking off at that yeah. noon Eastern 11 central yeah. time kick. You just, everybody's kind of getting there. Like yeah. <laughs> after the second, third drive, it feels like it takes the crowd just a little bit longer to get into their seats and for the game to really get into gear. And a lot of times that can favor a team like Vandy. So as much as I'm going to complain about that uh, through this, I guess, recap of Elon and going into the Wake Forest game with the timing of the uh, of the Wake Forest game next week and what it's going to do to the pregame festivities. Yeah, maybe and, it could be a little bit of an advantage there, Billy. Potentially, potentially. But talking about improvements, Will, I, I did not get to go to any home games last year, but the beer cooler in the concessions was mind-blowing. I mean, that blew my mind. I caught you right that before was, the game. Yeah, was like, that was, was like, great last is, year as well. I was like, I did not see that coming. And and that that's a treat for any any road team. That I'm sure they look at that and go, whoa. Didn't that's a hidden that. gem. That's yeah, like didn't, literally didn't the to see that's that one addition that all they had to do was that, and every person went from saying Vanderbilt Stadium sucks to like Vanderbilt Stadium's not too bad. <laughs> it's just like the grab and go, like self scan, quick uh, beer cooler and peanut thing that yeah. they have right at the entrance of the stadium. That's an incredible thing that they have that I don't, I don't know if I've really seen anywhere else with I don't it. I'm know sure that somewhere else has it out that. there, yeah. but I don't know. But that I know that every other that. opposing fan base comments on it about how cool it is. Yeah, and it's it was easy because it was Elon. You know, I got in, got out. Uh, but it's also, not though, been it's, bad it's, even against you yeah, know, Georgia even, last year. Yeah, even against you know an SEC team. I think it they just the whole the whole presentation of the stadium and the concessions and everything in between is better. 
it's better. It's more improved. Speakers might need a little bit of improvement, but uh, a little bit of tweaking. Uh, but You're I think always on about working. the speakers. I just I don't I think it can be better. I think that's the one thing in the stadium the speakers can be better. But that's 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 none that's not the problem. Uh, well, let's run through these quarters. And you know I don't know how long this could take. This could take a while. Uh, but I went back and watched the game, and I took notes on each quarter. One, you know, the first quarter has a lot. Second quarter, not much. Third and fourth quarter has a lot because that's when they struggled. And I think, you know, there's some improvement there to make. But I'm going to start with the first quarter, Will. And and obviously, you know, I think we will agree, we'll disagree on certain things. But I think the majority of Vanderbilt fans look at this game and, and they, they point to the obvious facts um, that were. So, Will, first off, I thought McKay, Matthew McKay played really well. I thought he played well. He ran the ball well. He made some really good throws under pressure. Uh, Elon had a great game plan. Credit to them. Uh, they came in, and they were, you know, they, they bounced back in the second half. First play of the game, Will, was a fade to Will Shepard. I'm not sure why they keep trying those. It's a lo- It was a low percentage play last season, and they haven't seen success this season. And I'm not saying stop trying, but at the same time, the, the deep fade to Will Shepard, they've got to find success on that. They've got to find a way to to com- actually complete those because I think they were 0 for 3 against Elon on those. You start playing against bigger DBs, more athletic DBs, those that's that they're definitely not going to work. Um, so that was kind of first there. Will Elon had some dudes on defense also. They had some players. I mean, they you know they they're FCS level, but that's a good FCS team. Uh, I thought defensively for Vanderbilt, especially in the first quarter, defensive line was active. Miles Cecil uh, looked good all night. Um, and so those are some of the early thoughts, Will. Uh, the, the deep fade to Will Shepard. I know you agree with me on that. I know he tripped on the first one, uh, that first deep fade. Um, but I like the fact that they're, they're attacking it. They're trying to go there. But I just it, – it just hasn't seemed on chemistry. It hasn't felt like Mike Wright is, is on the same page or, you know, not, not as accurate on that deep throw. I think it can work, but that's, that's where I'm at with that. So um, – Miles Cecil, like I said, well, I thought looked good. The triple option pitch play, I think that has worked nearly every time. There's a triple option pitch play where they'll have two running backs in the backfield, and Mike Wright will fake it to one and then pitch it out. Ramon Davis had success with that all night. So that he had a 34-yard run. He had a, a couple of, of big chunk runs in that first half. Well, Darren Agu is a guy in that first quarter specifically all throughout the game, but first quarter he had his first career sack. And that guy – he. I didn't know how active he would be this year, but after these first two games, he's going to be active. He's going to have to be active. So really impressed with Darren Agu. Well, the whole game was a flag fest, I thought. <laughs> the referees were not great, and I think that's, that's, that's part of what you're going to get when you got Vandy and Elon on a Saturday night. <laughs> um, it was tough to watch at times, mostly in the second half. Um, but, yeah, we'll, we'll get to the refs there. Uh, Will, there was a certain play, the uh, – the, the free play, Mike Wright to Jade McGowan. Great awareness by Mike Wright to keep his head downfield. McGowan had a step on his defender, but McGowan also really hit the accelerator when he caught it, and I saw him catch that, Will, and I said, uh-oh, let's see how fast this guy really is. He put on that extra burst and ran to the end zone. When's the last time Vanderbilt had a guy like McGowan that can just – you throw it to him, and he beats the other defender down the field with his speed. And so – I thought that showed growth on Mike Wright's part, Will, but also just the pure speed that McGowan has, and he deserves more touches. 
Yeah, McGowan is going to be an absolute stud. He's a player. He's just got to get a little bigger. You don't want to get him hurt. He's a little small. He is he's built for a freshman, right. a guy, a young guy coming in, but you want to limit his touches, especially when you get into the bigger conference play and SEC play. Don't get him hurt early. But man, using him is like a a honestly better Darius in between Darius Sims and Tyree Kill type player. Yeah. There's just so much utilization with them. Pair him with Will Shepard as he continues to improve. But you started out hitting on that first play, that fade to Will mm-hmm. Shepard. And and the weather may have caused some issues, but both of the times the ball for Mike Wright was pretty good. And Shepard just slipped or or he's got to make that play. And and for whatever reason, it just hasn't worked out. I think it will. Uh, but what they're trying to do is not allow the defense just to play man coverage or bear four six leaving in guys and just containing Mike Wright and, and guarding against this read option run play type stuff and quick passes. They have to have something downfield. And they were able to do that with McGowan beating uh, man coverage on that uh, offsides, like mm-hmm. you said, recognized by Mike Wright. That is always one of the biggest things in quarterback growth and awareness is just seeing that offsides. That is one of the biggest advantages you can have in in a single play is just a free shot down the field with no risk of turning the ball over and everything to gain. And so many times you'll see a quarterback just throw the ball away or not do anything with it or throw a short pass and you're just like, just fling it down the field. That's that's one of the best opportunities you have. And Mike Wright did recognize that. So that's a sign of growth from him and just being in control of the overall right. game. But they still don't have anything consistently that you say that you say that is a consistent down the field target or play or option that they have. There's not anything. Obviously, Mike Wright's not going to be consistently throwing corner routes, uh, fitting the ball in tight cover two windows to Will Shepard. But you have to have something. And the tight ends weren't heavily utilized this game. They blocked well, but they weren't really utilized within the offensive game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. For whatever reason, the stats will show a lot more explosive plays than last year. I'm just, I am just not sure how many of those explosive plays are really going, are really there through design or right. new design that's going to make the defense respect the big play. And how many of those are just a result of Vanderbilt actually having those better athletes mm-hmm. and SEC speed in McGowan and Mike Wright. Yeah, and Will, the another explosive play that we saw, it was a quick screen to Jaden McGowan, uh, and mm. using him out of the backfield is going to be important this year because I know he's not a running back, but he had a play, I think it was at least 40-yard run off a screen out of the backfield. That's another play I think they, they can utilize and utilize it often. Um, Will, and, and then defensively, Anthony Orgy flying around, of course, uh, got a little banged up. He's oh, healthy, that, but- that had me – like holding Clark, my Clark, breath the entire time. Clark Lee Almost ran out threw there. up in the stadium. Yeah, Clark Lee ran out there, and you saw him with a big smile on his face as he's jogging back to the sideline. You could just – I could feel the relief on Coach Lee uh, there as he's jogging back. Um, you know, Orsi was flying around. I thought Durkee Wright played really well too. Well, um, he, he played really well in a, in a couple different positions. We saw him at safety. We would see him come in and inside, and they do the same thing with Mahoney. Mahoney, Durkee Wright. Those two guys are really just Swiss Army knives. I mean, they're all over the place uh, on defense. So, uh, well, one play in particular, this was in the first quarter, the screen pass touchdown to Will Shepard. I thought that was that was good by Mike Wright, getting it out quick. But it was it was close to a disaster. I don't know. It, it looked like the guy 
Gavin Schoenwald made it made a decent effort at getting the block, but Shepard on the route, if you look closely, he just, he didn't really make any jolt or anything. He didn't make any step. He just kind of stood, looked over, and caught it. So I don't know if that's an adjustment that you know that that needs to be made. But it looked like that was close to maybe being a a tip or an interception potentially. But uh, they they did that was a great job of Mike Wright getting it out quick. Uh, right, two passing touchdowns in that first quarter. Will uh, that's that was really it for me in the first quarter. I thought it was a really well played first quarter for Vanderbilt. Uh, they started the game off very hot, and they needed to. I mean, that's what we said. We both agreed on that. Will a hot start needs to happen because we know why. <laughs> you know, we know we found out why in the fourth quarter because without that fast start, who, who knows? Who knows what could have happened in the in that game, Will? So that's what I got in the first quarter. I don't know if you if you wanted to hit on anything else. Um, in that first quarter, uh, but second quarter, Clark Lee said, I thought we fell asleep in the second quarter, and I agreed with him. I agreed with him um, on that one, and Will, second quarter, we saw some good punts from Hayball. I know we don't want to see Hayball out there, you know, too often, but I said I wanted to see more of him, and boy, did I. We, we saw some good ones in that second quarter, um, and even when, you know, I, even when he would feel pressure, you, uh-oh, pressure's coming, he would still be able to get it off in great spiral and get it and punt it down the field. So saw saw what I wanted to see from Hayball. Uh, defense played really well. I thought the second quarter was their best quarter. Elon on third down, Will, was 0 for 7 in the first half. Vanderbilt's defense was – they were up for the task. But, Will, the punt coverage, going back to Hayball, that still has to improve. Punt coverage is something I look at at this game and say – boy, you can't waste Hayball's leg. I'm not saying they, they gave up a punt return touchdown, but it felt like they were giving up a 10-yard, a, a 15-yard return almost every time. But they had some good stops. They were stopping you know, break a tackle, maybe a five-yard gain on a punt. But punt coverage is something I look at, especially in that first quarter. And then you saw it a couple times in the second half, Will, where that's got to improve, especially if you punt it over to an athletic, very, very athletic punt returner in the SEC or even Wake Forest. You can look out. So, but yeah, other than that, well, I thought the second quarter was good. Late second quarter uh, was good. The middle 10 minutes, Clark Lee said, were really good. Middle of the game was good. They finished the second quarter well. They started the third quarter well. Uh, and then right before halftime, Will, Mike's, Mike Wright's legs were huge. I mean, they were huge. The, the touchdown to Shepard on that little, that skinny post route, that was too easy. I mean, that, you know, that was a good job of Mike. Just they, they had three receivers on the left side, just dropped it out there. So, First half was good, Will. I mean, 28-10, you felt comfortable. You felt comfortable at that point as, as a fan watching. Uh, but I don't, know if you, I don't know if you're with me on this. I still felt Elon had a lot more in them. I thought, I, you know, I knew they were going to come back. I knew they were. But it was, can Vanderbilt with, withhold that? Can they withstand the Elon run? So that, that's what I got in the first half, Will. I thought, I thought it could, they couldn't have played better, maybe a little bit better in the second quarter. But that first half was was as good of a first half as you might see this team play this season. Yeah, the first, what, 14 minutes of the game were 21 nothing Vanderbilt until yeah. that 75-yard pass from Elon. So it was pretty much a perfect 14 minutes to start the game. I mean, what you could dream up, you've hit a big play uh, that, you, that you're showing that you can hit the explosive play, and it was actually a pass this time and not a run. Yeah. Uh, you've shown – you've worked on things. You've had three drives that worked pretty much how you wanted the defense coming out and creating stops until that 75-yard pass. And he said fell asleep a little bit. That That's exactly what I think happened. I mean, it took the foot off the gas might be 
a good a good phrase as well. But they came out and initially shocked Elon with their speed and athleticism, and I think that's something new for this team. Being on equal footing or better footing than the right. opponent, I don't think has been the case for them ever. And in the first two games this season, they've been the more talented and more athletic and stronger and faster team. And so that I think happened in the first quarter again. And in the second quarter, that was enough to continue that lead out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the defense played pretty well outside of that one drive at the end to close it out. Thank God that happened to make it 28 to 10 and yeah. make you feel a lot better going into the half. Otherwise 21 to 10 uh, would have felt like, man, uh, Elon coming out in that second half and, and Vanderbilt was able to at the beginning, I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead of, mm -hmm. of maybe what you wanted to get here, but was able to put together a drive to start out the second half that really felt like it put uh, the game away at that point, even though things did get a little hairy after that. But uh, the adjustments at halftime, continue to look at that first drive and granted some of that may have been fatigue that carried over. But yeah, the second quarter, just just almost you could fast forward past it as far as looking at the game and, and right. really evaluating what happened. Yeah, you saw the design quarterback draw for Mike Wright. Uh, you know, I mean, they were that was like a 40 yard touchdown run for Mike Wright there. <laughs> I, I think I speak for Vanderbilt fans everywhere, Will, when I say Vanderbilt should do that more often. <laughs> the design quarterback draw. I don't I don't and it's not always gonna be open and, and it you know, but <clears throat> Mike Wright, I'm not saying, you know, he got lucky there, but there was a lot of space. There was a lot of space and he just boom, jolted into it and uh it got the touchdown there. I thought overall though, Will, in the second half, Elon outplayed Vanderbilt. You know, they outplayed Vanderbilt in that second half. I know Vanderbilt got off to a good start in the second quarter. They scored in their first possession. But it was really nothing else after that in the third quarter offensively for Vanderbilt. Um, well, a big play in this in the third quarter, I thought. A little over 10 minutes to play. Matthew McKay throws a deep one down the right sideline to Jackson Parham. Tyson Russell is in coverage. It was a close call. I, I, I did think Parham came down with it. But Coach Lee, I thought Coach Lee could have challenged it if he thought Tyson knocked it out. And I know you know what I'm talking about here, Will, but you know, for Vanderbilt, that 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 was a big play in that third quarter because right after that, Elon had the deep touchdown from uh, from McKay back to Parham, where you saw B.J. Anderson in coverage and he was there to make the play, but they didn't, you know, they didn't make the play. So Russell on that one didn't make the play, and Anderson didn't make the play. By the way, Parham's a really good receiver. Jackson Parham's a, a I mean, he's good, but at the same time, Vanderbilt's defensive they they were they were in position. I mean, they were in position to make those plays. Um, so that's what I look at, Will. Um, those, I mean, those were circus catches. I mean, I don't think Elon, they're not going to make two better catches than that all season long. <laughs> and Clark Lee talked about it. I mean, those catches, those were big-time catches where Russell's in his face, Parham makes that one, and then he goes down the left sideline and makes it over, uh, over B.J. Anderson. So, uh, Will, I thought those two catches were, that's what really kick-started Elon and their offense. And they said, hey, we can make plays over the top of this defense. We're going to keep trying to do it. And on the one that scored a touchdown over Anderson, Mac McKay had pressure coming right at his, right at his face from C.J. Taylor. Taylor was right in his face. McKay sat in there and dropped it in. So, I mean, credit to Elon and on those two plays. I mean, th those they're not going to make two better catches than that all season long. I'll say that. Uh, McKay, the quarterback, he really got into a rhythm. Will in the second half. Um, so that kind of early third quarter, those two plays. I mean, th those two plays I thought really kick-started Elon. Uh, going to Vanderbilt, though, Mike Wright missed Jade McGowan open for a first down at the seven-minute mark. That was a third down play. McGowan was open. He was open, and, and it would have been a first down, and, and he would have had room to run. Mike Wright just missed him. He just missed him. I know he had a little bit of pressure, 
but that's an adjustment, I think, for Mike. He was a little inconsistent in the second half. It's hard to say when the guy throws for four touchdowns and runs for two. It's hard to complain about that performance, but Clark Lee said it after the game. I still think there's more out there for Mike Wright, and I agree with him. I think he did miss a couple throws. Um, he also had the long throw down the sideline to Will Shepard. You saw that three times, Will. And, and again, I'll, I'm going to keep harping on this. They've got to find a way to hit on those because they want to. I mean, they, they, they want to do that. And I know you said, you know, they will. And I think they will also. Um, but, yeah, and then you saw Vanderbilt start to wear down a little bit, Will. So uh, that's kind of my third quarter analysis. Uh, and like I said, what a play by Parham over B.J. Anderson in the quarter. They were attacking B.J. Anderson all second half. And, and Vanderbilt really didn't didn't have an answer for it. I, I mean, Clark Lee talked about it after the game. You know, he's, he said he wanted to – he wanted to make an emphasis on that with his defensive staff, and he did. I'm sure he told that to Dan Jackson about rotations and getting guys in. Um, so credit to Jackson Parham, though, Will, but I do think that's a little concerning on the defensive backs part that, you know, there were plays out there to be made, but they didn't make them. Um, so that that's kind of what I've got for the third before we get into the, the final quarter, the fourth quarter. Yeah, I think you broke down the third pretty well, and I think most of the points – are pretty much second half points that I right. have. So if you yeah. want to keep keep breaking down the the rest of the fourth quarter, I don't really have the things that I want to say split off and a lot of it uh, being about the secondary gotcha. and, uh, and the two ways that maybe you can split off in your thinking, whether you're a glass half full or glass half empty <laughs> type of person. If you're a Vanderbilt fan, I imagine which one of those you probably lean towards. So I'll, I'll give that after you finish up the okay, rest of the let, game recap let's, fin- let's finish off here, Will. Uh, Elon had all the momentum to begin the fourth quarter. Um, but and, and on the other side, Vanderbilt's offense completely stagnated. They completely stagnated in the fourth quarter. Um, at the 11-and-a-half-minute mark, Will, uh, Owusu forced a fumble, and McAllister recovered it. That was the first turnover of the game for either team. Um, that was on Parham, the good receiver for Elon. And then, Will, I think this was a huge play in the game for Vanderbilt to kind of take ownership and say, we're not letting this happen. At the 10-minute mark, Mike Wright gets outside the pocket, and he gets popped by Trayvon Jones. Coach Lee, not happy about it. Bradley Ashmore, not happy about it. He gets up in the face of Trayvon Jones, starts yelling at him. And, I mean, those guys, they're standing up for Mike Wright. They're standing up for him. And it felt like it felt like I saw a unity with this group that, you know, we didn't see a ton of last season. I mean, you saw it towards the down the stretch of the season, but there's a unity on this team. There's a chemistry on this team and a, and a close-knit attitude with this team, and it starts with Coach Lee. And he went right over there to the ref and yelled at the ref and said, hey, look at that. Look at what just happened. So I know that was pretty early in the fourth quarter, but I thought that was a little bit of a tone setter for the team to say, hey, mm. we're not sitting back here and surrendering to Elon. You know, we're, we're not going to sit back. And so I thought, at the 10-minute mark, Trayvon Jones coming up and popping Mike Wright. Mike Wright got up, and, and he was he, he was fine. I mean, he, the guy's tough as nails. Credit to Mike Wright for getting right up after that. And then that's kind of when the flag fest starts, Will. I mean, that fourth quarter was – man, I, that's when I ended up leaving. I left early uh, I left early fourth quarter. Shame. I just Shame on you. I, I know, but I, I just – I got to the point where it was, you know, it was bad football. It was a flag fest. And, you know, I credit to Elon, they made it, they, they kept it tight. But I thought, I thought Vanderbilt played atrocious in the fourth quarter I, and, and the whole second half, you know, and, and there, you know, I say that because my expectation for Vanderbilt in this game was to come out and not, not dominate like they did Hawaii, but play four quarters. 
And I and it, it's it's still hard for this team to put that put that together against a quality opponent. They're still working for that. Uh, but yeah, credit to Elon for not giving up on defense in the second half, it, especially in the fourth quarter. You could tell that Vanderbilt defense was wearing down. I mean, it was it was death by a thousand cuts on defense, and but they got the play, they got the stops, they got the plays, they created the plays and the stops when they needed to. And so credit to Vanderbilt. Um, but it makes me wonder what's going to happen against a better offense. You know, for example, a Wake Forest or an Ole Miss. You know, or even a Missouri. You know, how how well does Vanderbilt stand the test of time through four quarters against an against a, a, a better team? So. Uh, and then we'll rolling through at the 6:42 minute mark. Um, I did not think that was pass interference on B.J. Anderson. Um, I, I'm trying to think of this specific play. I know you know what I'm talking about. I'm trying to envision it. Um, Anderson. Corner of the end zone. Yes, yes, yes. So, mm-hmm. so corner of the I end zone. I didn't think that was either. I watched the replay and and still didn't see what they called yeah. really. I mean, he tugged on it a little bit, but that's maybe it just depends on the yeah. angle and maybe we didn't have the angle the referee did but it didn't seem like it from lot when i saw it live and it didn't seem like it uh when i watched the replay on television either yeah and coach lee after the game you know he talked about how the bj bj has made that play before without you know without committing fast interference and, and you know he expects better of of bj the mahoney one that was a tug that that was in, in the you know the play after that that was a little tough that was more a little bit more mm-hmm. obvious um but like I said, Will, I mean, there were penalties everywhere. Uh, and then you get to the three-and-a-half-minute mark. This is when it got real for both teams. Um, Matthew McKay is spotted short of the first down off of, off of after a nine-yard run. But I thought he easily got it. I thought McKay had the first down at about, at about the three-and-a-half-minute mark. I'm not sure why there wasn't a measurement. I don't know why Coach Trishiani at Elon didn't hammer down and, and tell ask the officials for a measurement. They didn't get it. And Vanderbilt gets a huge stop on fourth and one. And that felt like the game. That felt like Vanderbilt had okay. You know, Vanderbilt's getting there. They're they're get they're inching closer to a win. Um, they just had enough distance to win this game. Will they? They just had enough. Enough. They had a good enough. Good enough start to win this game. And um, you know, so so that's kind of my fourth quarter analysis. Uh, Clark Lee said Mike Wright's performance was inconsistent, and I talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, I agree. It's hard to say that after six touchdowns. And but after setting were... the school record for touchdowns yeah. accounted for, uh, it's it's nice to say that his performance was inconsistent <laughs> and everybody to kind of agree, and he still did that is pretty impressive. Yeah, and, you know, I just, you know, the fact you know, Mike Wright's going to do is going to do what he does, um, but I am I am with Coach Lee in that, you know, he, he, this could have been more of a more of a bloodbath if, you know, maybe Mike Wright makes a throw or two, you know, just, but it's not all on Mike Wright. This is not – you know, we it is somewhat the Mike Wright show on offense. I mean, it, it that's kind of what it is and what it's going to be. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of that kind of wraps it up for me. Will um, you know, big stops though, big stops for Vanderbilt's defense, and that that's what ultimately won them the game. They anchored down and uh, they hunkered down and, and and got it done on defense. So um, I know I've got some comments from Coach Lee I want to get to, and then we will get to our three main takeaways. Um, but that that's pretty much what I got, Will. But it was the story of two halves. It really was, and 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 it was a story of two halves. Vanderbilt, the first half, had control, and but Elon knew Elon knew how good they were, and they knew they could beat Vanderbilt um, offensively with the arm of Matthew McKay and his legs. His legs were huge. He had two rushing touchdowns, and um, you know McKay's a good player. So credit to him, credit to Elon. But uh, Vanderbilt is the better team. They're the better program, and it was good to see them get a win 
over a, you know, it, that's a good FCS team. And last year they couldn't do it. Last year they couldn't do it. So that's a step in the right direction, Will. Um, and, and I thought Coach Lee had some interesting comments after the game. He said, we know how hard winning is. So we're not going to miss an opportunity to celebrate that. We're, we're, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're not going to shy away from that. Um, he also said on the uh, on the defensive back issue, I want to get that rotation ready ahead of time. He said we defaulted to leaving our starters in instead of, you know, throwing some younger guys out there. Um, he, expect, he expressed his concerns with the defensive staff as well. So I'm sure that, you know, they'll be cleaning that up. Uh, but he also said in the second half, Will, they lost their technique and started playing out of character. You know, they just – you know, um, they just kind of, they just kind of not, they, they didn't get suffocated, but they just, there, there wasn't a hundred percent effort in that second half defensively. And yeah, I think a lot of that is the maybe jet lag or whatever you say from Hawaii. Uh, but at the same time, you know, Vanderbilt's they're going to be playing teams better than Elon and they've got to clean some things up. No doubt, no doubt about it. Um, so we do have our three main takeaways, Will, but, uh, to wrap up, I know you had some kind of some other thoughts on that second half. Yeah, you touched on every key play so you did a great job of that and I mean anything else just hits on my main takeaways really that I break down from the half and and even the examples that I have from that fourth quarter that I'm going to bring up I'm going to work into my takeaways so I think probably best now that we've got the recap done here we go uh, I think see I think we're getting the format down now (laughs) so now I know we're going to do a quarter by quarter breakdown I'll, I'll take my notes that way but but you can see them here Billy I've got them down as there you go as key players, and then my three key takeaways, so I don't have things broken down quarter by quarter. Gotcha. How you had, so I'm trying not to spoil these takeaways. Oh, uh, I like it. I like it, Will. That's smart. That's very. That's, that's savvy. It's a savvy veteran move by uh, by Will Byron. <laughs> but all right, Will. Let's start. Let's get into it. Three main takeaways. And uh, man, I miss I miss doing this from last year. This this was the the more was the good. fun part of last year. All right, I'll start, Will. Number one, and I don't. You know, I, this is just a takeaway from what I saw and the guys that were out, the guys that couldn't play. Number one takeaway for me after seeing this game be played, this team's got to get healthy. They've, they've got to get healthy. I know this is – you know, you can say this about every team, but specifically this Vanderbilt team, they've got to get healthy. Quincy Skinner was out. Rocco Griffin was out. Um, Julian Hernandez was out, a guy on the offensive line. Of course, Davion Davis is still out. Braden Babs is still out. Devin Lee – is still out and there were a lot of guys that got banged up in this game as well ray davis got banged up amperty orgy uh was banged up a little bit he was busy all night he he needed an ice bath after that one i'm sure uh, errington truesdale w- was out a guy that looked good in camp and we thought you know was gonna was gonna play a lot this year so well for me you know they, they've got to get healthy especially with skinner rocco griffin and hernandez guys that played week one but weren't able to play in week two or, you know, whatever, week zero, week one. Um, the Coach Lee, after the game, he said a couple guys were on the fringe of playing. We didn't want to put them in a bad spot. We didn't want to put those guys in a bad spot. So that tells me that we're probably going to see Griffin, Skinner, and Hernandez probably against Wake Forest. And, and that reassures me that we will probably see those guys against Wake. And, you know, that's a good sign. So I, I think Looking ahead, it's a good sign because, you know, quite honestly, Clark Lee probably gave these guys just another week to get ready, get rested, because they know Wake Forest is, is an important game. But I think they missed Rocco in this game. I mean, having him back there, I know Chase Gillespie ran hard, um, but Ray Davis, he had, to ran, he had to run more than 
than he might have liked. I know he he likes running the ball, but uh, not having Rocco hurt out there. I know Pat Smith is suspended. He's not hurt. Uh, so not having him hurts, I think, too. Um, but running back depth was something we talked about before the season. And all of a sudden, you know, it's Ray Davis and Chase Gillespie really back there. Um, and so I think not having Rocco back there hurt a little bit, probably not a ton. Uh, and then no Quincy Skinner. You know, I, he played he played better than I thought he would against Hawaii. And so um, a couple a couple big pieces on offense did not play. Julian Hernandez missing an O lineman always hurts. Um, so yeah, well for me it's this team's got to get healthy. And this, you know, this was just a realization kind of heading into Wake Forest. Um, you know, after watching this game, realizing man Skinner didn't play, Griffin didn't play, Hernandez didn't play. Um, they've got to get healthy. So. That's got that was kind of a big realization for me. This team's got to get healthy. Yeah, you started off a little on the improvement side, a little on the the more I don't want to say negative side because that wasn't really negative, but just you yeah. know saying some of the. I'm gonna start off my first key main takeaway positive. just so I can get this all out of the way is going to just be completely positive, and that is going to be that without a doubt, Billy, if we went back and listened to our preseason preview and what we wanted to see that the offense has done what we wanted and already check they have improved the amount that we have wanted and I don't mean that in an exaggerated way I tweeted that through eight games last season this offense had scored 106 points they scored 105 points through two games and that included games against UConn Colorado State and ETSU so it's not a competition difference thing this offense and the offensive side of the ball is that much improved from last season. I think that it's very easy, very quickly to get away from what the initial expectations were and what the initial concerns were. And I think that if you would have told us that this offense was averaging 52 and a half points after two games, that we would have been over the moon with the offensive performance. So there has been some inconsistency obviously, and I will get to them in these takeaways, there are some things to take away from this Elon game that I'm sure Coach Lee just a little bit and Clark Lee just a little bit is happy with that there are some things to show on film that were really bad and, and to show, hey, you're not that good. We're not that good. We may be 2-0, and but we have a much better team coming in. So part of Clark Lee is probably a little bit happy. There's something to learn from, even from this loss, that while Elon was was able to – make Vanderbilt not cover the 18-point spread, was able to make the final score look look worse and look closer than I think it really felt a majority of the game. And it took a Vanderbilt goal line stand to not make it a one-score game coming down to an onside kick at the end. But it really felt like Vanderbilt was in control of that game for 95% of it till the very, very end uh, when the ball slipped through Will Shepard's fingers on that uh, onside kick. So the initial takeaway is the offense is improved. And you have to run through a little bit of that game. So I do want to read off just a couple stats in this 2022 offense. And I know this is going to, to go down because the competition is going to get tougher. The defenses they're going to face are going to have this new offense on film. They're going to be able to adjust to Mike Wright. I get all that. Let me be a little happy before I get to that in my takeaways two and three. Okay. okay. This offense in 2021 was averaging – and let me say this, okay, just, just so you can, you can hear it. They're averaging 15.8 points per game in 2021. Did you hear that, Billy? 15. Let me repeat that, 
So keep in mind, that is what we saw. They scored 21 total touchdowns in 2021. We saw 21 total offensive touchdowns in 2021. We've already seen 15 in 2022 through two games. This team in 2021 was converting, I believe, 31% of their third downs. This year so far, they're converting 43%. So the rest of that, I don't want to get too into stats because it's so early, but those three stats yeah. right there, and I've already said the the points, 105 through two games, they had 106 through eight games last season, 52.5 points per game so far versus 15.8. So let's just take a step back and say 2-0 and for the first time since 2018, and an offense that only had 21 touchdowns all of last season already has scored 15 touchdowns this season. So... Vanderbilt fans just step back and, and and don't take it for granted for one second because I know I had to do that after the game on Saturday night. Yeah, I think there were a lot of fans that that you know caught themselves doing that. They they caught them, you know, caught themselves slipping a little bit. And those stats are huge. I mean, looking at those stats, it's crazy. It is it is mind-boggling looking at that and looking at those numbers. And my second takeaway is the offense. Well, uh, so it's literally everything you just <laughs> well, said. Um and, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. So, my second takeaway, the offense, I, I have it here, the offense is more explosive than I ever thought they would be. And, and, you know, I thought they would be improved. And I know they've played Hawaii and Elon, but you've played opponents and you've done things. That, like I tweeted during the game, this Vanderbilt offense is doing things. They're doing things they just did not do at all last year. I mean, at all. 15 points per game, 21 touchdowns. And, and they're already at 15 touchdowns. It's crazy. And averaging – 52 points a game, so 105 points through the first two games. Um, Well, another key stat here, we knew they would be a heavy rushing team, but 583 rushing yards through the first two games. That's impressive. And, you know, the offense goes as Mike Wright goes. This is, you know, in theory, I think, at the surface, the Mike Wright show on offense. I mean, you know, he, he, he is the quarterback, and they've gone as he's gone. But, Will, I look at four guys on this offense. Mike Wright, Ray Davis, Jade McGowan, and Will Shepard. When those four guys are clicking on offense, they're tough to stop. I mean, this is a tough defense to prepare for and defend when they're clicking. And, and you know, they were clicking at times against Elon for the majority of that. I mean, second half mostly – or first half mostly. Second half, of course, we saw them stagnate. But when those four guys are on, this uh, there's not a defense in the country that – you know, there's some SEC defenses that aren't scared. But – I think there's some mid-level defenses that aren't excited to prepare for this offense. Um, overall play design also looks better. I mean, it, Coach Lynch, I think, has has improved, as Mike Wright has, as Will Shepard has, as as this team and the players have developed. That I've also seen development from the coaches and the coaching staff, and, and that was a big point last year, Will. I mean, Coach Lynch and the schemes, and, of course, he had – well, you had Ken Seals back there running an offense that was built for Mike Wright. I mean, majority of the time last year, uh, but they've got their guy at quarterback. And well, there's a few schemes I really like the triple option pitch. I like that, but also having McGowan in the backfield, getting it out to him, letting him run. I mean, there's there's plays out there that I know there's defenses that don't like to prepare for it. So my my second second uh, takeaway is literally the offense. Um, I know Elon stats said. They put up more offense than Vanderbilt, but in the first half, Vanderbilt dominated uh, offensively. And, um, you know, and I'll get to some of those stats later. But, yeah, second takeaway for me, Will, is is the offense. And uh, it's just they're more explosive than I ever thought they would be. 
Yeah, I was trying to think of a way to do this because my second and third keys are not exactly the they're not exactly keys. They're like broad ways of thinking about what we just saw in the second half of that Elon game and two different ways of looking at them. And I don't know which one I've really leaned towards right now. So I think I'll just go offense and, and defense and I'll start out negative and, and give the more negative glass half empty type spin. And then I'll also give the positive glass half full type spin because that's really the only way because I don't know where I fall. And I think it's it's going to be crazy how much we learn about this team against Wake Forest uh, in this upcoming game. And so much of that is going to depend, especially on what we learn about this defense, if Hartman is able to play, because right now I think that's still up in the air. But we'll start on the defensive side of the ball, because I'll do that for key takeaway number two and, the, and, and what Elon exposed. Uh, the negative side is we knew that this team had depth issues and we knew that the defensive line would have some issues creating consistent pressure on with larger, more experienced offensive lines that they would be facing. Uh, and we knew that the secondary would struggle holding up if they did send blitzes uh, against those more experienced offensive lines and man-to-man coverage. And we saw that. Elon exposed it uh, multiple times, one-on-one coverage, guys in position, and they just got beat. Uh, you mentioned... Um, that number 43, good grief, completely. Number two leading tackler. He had eight Dericky, tackles. Dericky Wright. Wright. On one of those plays, they just ran a simple type, like wheel kind of underneath, uh, then a, not a same, but a go up the sideline. And he just kind of, they were in man-to-man coverage and he was lined up against the slot receiver and he just got straight up beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no safety help up top and it was just one step and a perfect throw. And there, there were times that that was a concern for us going into this year where was this inexperienced secondary. They hadn't really proven what they would be able to do uh, against better competition. And these Elon receivers exposed them kind of like ETSU did last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the other side of that is, is what you mentioned with the Clark Lee comments is there's the hangover from Hawaii. They didn't do a great job rotating how they played defense. Uh, against this Elon team, put them in a lot of one-on-one situations. They were still in position, uh, yeah. but maybe that fatigue just just got in the way and they weren't able to play the ball as well and use technique as well just because they were tired and they didn't have the depth. So like you said, getting back at your point one or key takeaway one is getting healthy and making sure you have the full rotation and having that down and the flexibility that Mahoney provides uh, with that experience at corner and safety, I think is definitely something you need to take advantage of especially as uh, the competition increases. But yeah, the glass half full side is they didn't want to show a ton of exotic pressures and ways that they were going to disguise uh, their defense because they probably didn't have to show a lot of that against Hawaii and were able to save it. They only had to show a limited amount against Elon. That game was over uh, after that first drive from Vanderbilt made it 35 to 10 to start out the second half realistically uh, without a complete collapse, which they almost did. Uh, it was it was literally completely statistically over. <laughs> and I think the coaching staff recognized that, that they wanted to prove a point with the Hawaii game uh, to continue to put the pressure on and make that score, even though they did really call off the dogs at the end about as much as possible. 
Uh, and they didn't need to continue to show elaborate blitz schemes and ways to disguise their coverage and going into that Wake Forest game. The less you have on film, the better. Uh, because you're already at the disadvantage that Wake Forest is coming off a game where they played VMI, won 44 to 10, mm-hmm. uh, and only have one game on tape with that current current roster, I believe. And yeah. and especially if they have Hartman coming back, you have zero games on tape. And Will Vanderbilt has two with their new offense and new newly designed defense. So how much of that in the second half from the defense? was just trying to allow guys to rest and limit the rotation and then rotational mistakes that can be learned from hangover fatigue from Hawaii. And how much of that was real issues that were exposed by Elon who came out with some pretty good second half adjustments and exposed that Vanderbilt was just leaving these corners without a lot of experience on islands against these receivers and exposing them. So this Wake Forest team uh, definitely has some talent and we're going to see that maybe Uh, you need to allow a little bit more help up top for these guys, especially if you have, you know, guys that are playing that, what is it? The star star and anchor positions having to play man to man coverage on tight ends and slot receivers. That's going to be pretty tough. And now you have that on film that that's something that you are willing to do uh, is have these mismatches in man to man to allow pressure because you have limited defensive line talent uh, that's providing pressure just straight up. So continuing uh, to adjust that, I guess. But Wake Forest has a lot more to work with. Elon exposed a lot of things in that second half that Clark Lee and staff are going to have to adjust. Yep, and he said it after the game, Will. He said, we're not good enough right now to make the mistakes we made and beat, and, and, and beat formidable teams. He didn't say it that specific way, but he, he said it in a sense that he basically said, if we play like this, we're not beating Wake Forest and we're not you know, we're not even going to be in it in the second half. And uh, Wake Forest won't make Dericky Wright's not going to – Dericky Wright is just not going to be able to be in man-to-man situations on a receiver. That that just can't happen. And and that's the, how the defense was designed at times. And the reason I kept avoiding saying his name and saying 43 is I have B.J. Diakite written down as a guy that impressed me uh, uh, throughout the game making 93. tackles. Yeah, I know. He's 93. Diakite, Dericky, it's brutal in my <laughs> brain. It's just constantly just different numbers and stats that that's so similar with similar numbers. So damn you, Vanderbilt, for making them 93 and 43. Two ugly numbers, too. Two, two pretty good players. Yeah, 43. Uh, Dericky I mean, deserves yeah. a little bit better. <laughs> but no, Will, uh, Clark Lee said, you know, Wake Forest will make them pay for those things that they did in the second mm-hmm. half. And, and they've got to look at those. So uh, for me, number three, Will, is very similar to your second takeaway. Um, for me, I said defensive depth remains an issue. Um, the second half defense, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say it. It was it was atrocious. Um, you know, I I do think a lot of it was yes, fatigue. They had injuries, and this team they don't have the horses yet on defense to co- to you know to go out and beat a Wake Forest type of offense. Now maybe they do. Maybe they show it and they beat Wake Forest next week. But what we saw. In the second half against Elon, that cannot happen. That cannot happen against Wake. Uh, the corners, the corners are in the second half. What I saw in the corners, they weren't fit, you know, to keep up with big time receivers like 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 Elon has. I mean, Parham was a he's a good receiver. I guarantee, I guarantee you, Wake Forest has about three or four of those guys that look just like Parham, and they're going to throw it to them. They are going to get it out to to those guys. And Wake Forest, Coach Clawson right now is looking at that film saying he's licking his chops right now, what he saw from this Vanderbilt DBs in the second half. Um, you know, apparently Clark wasn't happy with rotations in the secondary. I get that. 
Um, and, and, you know, maybe that's fixable. Maybe this is, is, is improved, but it's tough to see. It's, it's tough to see right now. Um, Elon threw for 343 yards, and the majority of that was in the second half. Um, so, you know, Elon really, I think, I, I, I thought you said it best, Will. Elon was shocked a little bit in that, in that first half. And I'm not saying they, they overlooked Vanderbilt. You know, it's Elon. It's, it's an FCS team. But, you know, I think there was a little bit of Elon saying we could go in and beat this team if we play like, you know, if we play like we can. And, you know, I think Vanderbilt shocked them. Vanderbilt's better. They're, they're obviously a better team. But Elon, um, if, if some things go right, they could have won that game. I mean, they, they, they very much so could have won that game. Um, and so, yeah, that's my third, Will, uh, defensive depth. And I know they're banked up. I know they've got to get Davion Davis back. They've got to get Devin Lee back and Braden Babst. Um, you know, they've got to get healthy on that D-line. Uh, but the DBs, Tyson Russell and uh, and B.J. Anderson, those are good players. I mean, th- those those are good players. They've made plays, but they they just – there's not – there's nobody behind them. You know, there's they're, they're, they're out there. That's really who they've got to play with. I mean, you've got Jadis Richard that you can throw in there. You know, you've got – uh, you know, you've got Jeffrey Hugo, but those those guys are young. Those guys are freshmen, you know. And so the experienced guys they've got, it's BJ, it's uh, it's Tyson. I know Jeremy Lucian. Jeremy Lucian is the guy I didn't see a ton of on Saturday mm-hmm. against Elon. I think that's one guy Coach Lee was hinting at when he said that. He said, "Hey, we've got we've got guys out there we can throw in." So I think it can get better. I, I think they can improve in that regard um, against Wake Forest. But it's it's gonna be it's gonna need to be substantial improvement, Will, on uh, on the defensive side, especially with the defensive backs, and you've got to have safety help. Like you said, you cannot isolate Ricky out there on an island, and you can't really do that. Like a lot of the corners, Wake Forest, it's it's almost as simple as, hey, we're gonna throw our our best receiver out on an island with this guy, we're gonna throw it to him. You know, I mean, I, I think that's what Wake Forest is thinking right now. They've got better schemes than that, of course. But, I mean, I think that's a little bit of it for Wake. I mean, let's isolate. and Let's get it to our playmakers. So, yeah, for me, Will, I'm with you. Um, you know, I, I was second half from the DBs, what we saw. They, they were in position. It's not like they were just getting burnt and getting toasted. But, you know, there, there's some improvement there. So defensive depth for me, Will, uh, remains an issue. And, uh, like I said, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, what? Once they get these freshmen developed and, and worked out, this will improve. But uh, that's that's one of my main negatives of this game, defensive depth, and they wore down. And that can't happen against Wake Forest. It, it, it just can't. Yeah, and I'm torn, and I'm glad you brought up the defense again because there were a couple things I, I realized that I forgot to say right before I get to my takeaway three. But, yeah, McKay threw 19-32, 333 yards, two touchdowns, he no picks. Good. I mean, those stats are stellar. Yeah, uh, and he didn't even play the whole game, and obviously, Boffman, 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 he got injured early in the game, and I think for their offensive production, that may not have been the worst thing. Yeah. Obviously, it looked like that was a pretty bad, some type of ankle injury there for him, but yeah, yeah, McKay played outstanding, and you mentioned it, Wake Forest has receivers that are that athletic and more athletic, and that's all that they have. And so, the other side, the very glass half full side, is this was a testing game for Clark Lee and the defense that first game 63 to 10 uh you didn't see anything like guys this was this was coverage this was the week one this was the game that okay we got our win that was super impressive on the scoreboard and we and we proved something with that 
And now we're going to try some things out. Now we're going to see what we have in these tough situations. And it reminded me a lot of the UTSU game. Corners in position, just getting catches made on them, on, on yeah, their heads. Yeah, and there were a few yeah. times, uh, including one that Russell had against him that I think probably wasn't a catch uh, that you mentioned uh, in the yeah, game. Yeah, that one was weird. Lee. That was, I, I think know, we'd I, view it, the end of the game and Russell's performance a little different if that would have been challenged and overturned because that would have been another one that was a good play. And then against Hawaii, you had Maxwell Worship break up one of those late. But, yeah. Right. Uh, what were you going to say there, Billy? I was, I was just going to say that was weird because couldn't Clark have challenged that? You know, I, I, I looked at that and said, you know, why? where's the challenge? I mean, you know, they've got the red flag they can throw out, you know. And so – I. And I thought Elon should have done it on the on the spot, on McKay's spot late in the game, too. So, um, you know, I, I'm not blaming that on Clark by any means, but there was a little bit, a part of me that said, hey, if you know, if you think your guy broke that up, where's the challenge? You know, and so I, at first I thought I didn't see the fumble part of it. I thought Russell totally had it, but he did lose it. So mm-hmm. it, for me, it should have been incomplete. You know, that's what it should have mm-hmm. been. Elon get, got back up to the line and they, they got, they went, you know, they kept going. So credit to them, but. You know, I was wondering where the challenge might have been there. Um, I, that was just a weird – that was a weird play. Yeah, you had that. And that the, most of the talk has been about the secondary because that's yeah. the most obvious issue. And so that's what I mentioned, and that's what we both talked about. But the other thing that I think got exposed was the sideline-to-sideline side quickness of the of the linebackers. And not Orgy. Uh, that's not who I'm talking about. But just overall, that speed on the defense is just one notch – too slow and I think it's a notch or two above what it was last year Mm -hmm. I think that it's getting there and it's continuing to get better and Barr is an incredible middle linebacker and he would have been an all-american if he was playing 30 years ago okay (laughs) he truly would like he would have been top two or three round draft pick think Chris Spielman uh John talk about talk about grit Um, yeah those are guys he that would have been him um, but there's one play in particular, and it was McKay's quarterback scramble where he snuck the ball in the goal line. I think it was on at, at, in the fourth quarter, I believe, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, at around the 10th. Or I could be wrong there. I don't remember the I exact think time Patterson stamp on it. I was in there too. Yeah, and Ethan Barr specifically was just one step, one step away. And his speed has improved from where it was previously. This is something that we brought up. Uh, from the moment we started doing this podcast and we talked about is he's everything you want hitting tackling but it's just one step too slow Mm -hmm. and that's going to be two steps too slow against wake forest so are clarkley and and the staff going to be able to scheme uh, with that because you have to have him playing especially with a team that has defensive line depth and size struggles because you need a more hard-hitting middle linebacker yeah well you don't get that while simultaneously getting a guy that's sideline to sideline blazing fast, that's Zach Cunningham, and that guy comes comes around once every 20 or 30 years, uh, especially at Vanderbilt. So Ethan Barr has to play just because he fills the interior gap so well uh, against the run And he's always in the, the right opponent. spot. And he's, yeah, and he's only going to be needed more and more as the offensive lines get bigger and bigger and the running schemes get more complex. You're only going to need – Ethan Barr in there more now the scheme adjusting around that and having other guys make up for his lack of and I hate saying that but it, it's just the truth lack of sideline to sideline speed mm-hmm. is going to be a challenge for the staff as they go on the rest of the season and I know just saying it's a challenge doesn't offer any solutions uh, because I don't have any 
And I watched that game two or three times, and a lot of the issues were just seams created by losing contain. Uh, Cecil played really well again, uh, but multiple times it, it's boomer bust with with the defensive line. It feels like a lot of times, very rarely, do they just stagnate the offensive line. It feels like they either lose contain or create massive gaps, or they completely stuff the play. And maybe that's just youth that's just not having consistent depth. Guys aren't able to get the rest they need, bring in fresh bodies, situational bodies, whatever it is. Uh, But there are just too many times against Elon in this game that the offensive line for Elon is just able to create a beautiful pocket for McKay. And that's seen. You don't have a guy go 19 of 32 for 333, two touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Uh, The defensive line is creating a disruptive pocket. Uh, majority of those snaps so that's something against wake forest they've got to get pressure because yeah. if they leave these corners in one-on-one situations or even in zone situations even with wake forest backup quarterback he's just going to pick them apart yeah so i don't know if blitz schemes are needed or if it's just straight up defensive line just has to win their one-on-one battles but something's got to happen uh, where they're able to get more pressure on the quarterback even though that statistic has improved from last season on a defense that really struggled uh, to produce quarterback pressure. Well, you mentioned statistics. Uh, where I'm going to get to this final stats uh, rundown uh, as we wrap it up. But there, there you have it. Three main takeaways uh, after uh, after the Elon loss. Will, uh, let's go through the stats here. I know, uh, you know, I know we've we've mentioned uh, some of these, but a stat that I saw right after the game. I think it was posted late that night. Ten true freshmen have combined for 361 snaps in the first two games. That's that's pretty impressive. I mean, for they've do, they've they dominated Elon, and you know we want to be able to say they dom they meant to say they dominated Hawaii. We want to say they dominated Elon. They did, you know, for you know for the first half, and and they had control of that game. But that's a pretty good recruiting pitch. I mean, to throw that out, and you you know, ten true freshmen combined for three hundred sixty one snaps, pretty impressive. Um, also, will Mike Wright. 11 carries. It's just fun looking at his his uh, final stats after after each game. 11 carries, 84 yards, two touchdowns, four passing touchdowns. He was 18 of 29 for 245 yards. Four touchdowns, no picks. Not too bad. That, that'll win you some games. Now, you need the defense to play behind him, but, man, he's doing what he can. And uh, six total touchdowns. First Vanderbilt quarterback to have six total touchdowns in a single game ever. And, um, you know, I mean, that that's that's that is saying something because you've had guys like Jay Cutler, Kyle Shermer. I mean, it, I know the quarterback play hasn't been great, but you know it, it hasn't been a slouch either, especially in the past you know ten fifteen years. Um, so there's the stat there on Mike Wright. Ray Davis had a good game. Will twenty carries, ninety five yards. He was the highest graded SEC running back per Pro Football Focus. So I uh, saw that tweet earlier today. And how about Jaden McGowan? Four catches, one hundred eighteen yards, and a touchdown. SEC Freshman of the Week. We saw it last week. He was Pro Football Focus's SEC Freshman of the Week, but he's the official SEC Freshman of the Week this week, Will, and he deserves it. I mean, he, he deserves it. He had the he had the catch and run out of the backfield. He had the deep uh, the deep seventy five yard free play, of course, too. Um, Will Shepard also Will six catches, fifty eight yards, two touchdowns. Both of those were in the first half. Anthony Orgy thirteen tackles. He was everywhere. Led the team. Ricky Wright also eight tackles. Matt Hayball, seven punts, 49-yard average. Not too bad. Not too bad at all. And Will, Will Shepard, he's the first Vandy receiver to record multiple touchdown passes in back-to-back games since Earl Bennett back in 2005. Your guy, your guy uh, Earl Bennett there. So 
pretty uh pretty impressive stat line for Vanderbilt. Will and uh, but Elon, their offense. I mean, they outplayed Vanderbilt in the second half. They ended up with 495 total yards. They had 343 passing yards. Uh, Vanderbilt did have no turnovers, so it was a pretty clean game from Vanderbilt. But a key stat, Will, I look at. Elon had 34, 34 minutes time of possession. Vanderbilt had 25. And a lot of that time of possession for Elon was in the second half where Vanderbilt was, was kind of getting getting beat by uh, a thousand cuts. Elon led in three important offensive categories, Will. They led in total yards. They led in passing yards and time of possession. But Vanderbilt was still able to get the win. That shows you how much of a fast start they had in that first half. They had just enough distance. And that fast start, man, Will, without that, I don't know that they win this game. I mean, I, it's weird. It's crazy saying that, um, but it, I think you're, yeah. <laughs> I was needed. Yeah, I was about to say the thing is there, Billy, I don't, this is where I say I'm looking at this from this perspective, and I could be so wrong. Clark Lee could hear these words, Barton Simmons, whoever, Joey, whoever else wants to listen and could hear this and think I'm totally wrong and totally stupid, and you would never hear the staff say this because it would sound stupid. But I don't think the second half – happens if the first half doesn't happen right they clearly throttled down the complexity of what they were calling saw that just the number of possessions it was going to take multiple onside kicks and elon recovering and very quickly scoring for elon to come back in that game after they went up 35 to 10 and then 42 to 24 it just did that is just how the game was had to play out and elon almost did it they almost yeah. scored and were only one onside kick recovery again another one their second of the game and another quick score their third of that quarter i believe away from from pulling off the comeback but i think that the vanderbilt coaching staff basically recognized that they can't just continue to show everything before this wake forest game i think that they have a realistic opportunity to go to come in and beat a top 25 team or at least a very, very competitive and send a message that they are very, very much improved from last season. So I know that a lot of people are going to take it away as, well, thank goodness that that happened or Vanderbilt fell apart, but obviously Vanderbilt played poorly. They took their foot off the gas. That's they didn't intend to give up God, that, God man, that many plays and, and not execute their offense. Well, like, but they clearly, if, the game was really in question. There were some things that they could have done, like that they were having success with, like they were running Mike Wright less. And in situations when he otherwise would have run, they weren't going to run him because if he gets injured, man, because right now <laughs> this is, this is something else. And hey, I know Jay it's, it's weird. I hate that Vanderbilt has played two games because it, and, and there have been some teams that have played two games versus one game, but right now Mike Wright is tied for the lead in the nation in rushing touchdowns. He is tied for the second longest rush in the nation, and he is second in the country in rushing yards. That is our quarterback. That is Vanderbilt's quarterback this season. So having somebody putting up those numbers, I just keep – take a step back. This isn't something that just is, wow, this is a good start uh, the first couple games against some not-so-good competition, so discount it. Vanderbilt has started off plenty of seasons against not so good competition and against bad competition. They haven't had anybody, anybody ever that's done what Mike Wright has done. Literally not an exaggeration. Literally. He's set the record for total touchdowns responsible for, and I haven't heard that many people talk about it. 
I, I this is my big rant. It's actually positively spun this time, Billy. So that's actually unique. But the 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 underappreciation just because it's been Hawaii and an FCS opponent of what Mike Wright has done early six touchdowns, no intercepts interceptions, a one fifty seven point three passer rating, perfect. That what he has done early is everything that we listed out that we could have possibly hoped to see the first two games from Mike Wright is what we have seen. He's gonna miss some throws every now and then. The the best quarterbacks in the country miss throws. Trevor Lawrence, the number one consensus overall draft pick, Heisman Trophy win- winner from Clemson. He missed throws every once in a while in college. And Mike Wright is certainly not at that level of passer, and that is not the expectation. So I think that it's very easy to shift how you're viewing and judging things, which was my key takeaway one is everything that we were going into the beginning of the season was Vanderbilt being a nine-point favorite over Hawaii. Can the offense score 24 points or more against Hawaii? That was a big question. Well, now they've come out and put up 63 and 42, and now the question is, man, they're not stringing together full games of consistent offense, and, and, do, they have, and do they have the ability to – our teams go and, – and there is another side that teams are going to be able to adjust to what they've seen, and it's not going to be as easy for Mike Wright to run the ball, and they're going to adjust by having the safeties come up more, and you're going to see more press single-man coverage without safety help up top. But what I've seen from Mike Wright, and I think what he's shown so far, is he's going to make teams pay. And every time it seems like they're testing him, that he's making them pay a lot more than he's not. So Wake Forest will be a better test, and it's going to going to come down to McGowan and Shepard, and can they win those one-on-one battles? Yep. Can Schoenwald and Bresnahan chip and, and come off the safety valves there? But another thing, is Rocco back next week? Because that's going to be huge, man. Ron Davis had 20 carries, but it would be huge to have Rocco after yeah, what we saw against Clark, Hawaii. Clark Lee didn't specifically mention his name, but he did say, you know, the guys that were out should be back against Wake Forest. So, and, and Will, I think it's smart. If you're Clark Lee and that staff, you don't play him against Elon. You know, big wolf, you don't play him against Elon. But you better be damn sure they're on the field against Wake Forest because that it, this is the biggest game. You know, I, I know we say it's this a lot. Kansas State. But, yeah, this is the biggest game Vanderbilt has had since Kansas State. I mean, it, I don't know that it's going to have as much hype but it's going to be pretty close. I mean, you know, SEC Nation coming to town, 11 a.m. kick. We'll talk about it all, of course, later this week, but Wake is an early eight-point favorite over Vanderbilt. Eight points, and that'll probably go up a little bit. I don't it, think it'll it's, go up it's a already whole lot. Gone up, it's, well, it's already opened up at six and a half. Yep, it already and it already went up. Like it already went it's up. already hitting the big threshold, which is one of the hardest ones to hit, which is yeah. the seven-point uh the six and a half to seven and a half line jump is one of the biggest ones, some of the hardest to get past. It's already done that. I knew it would. I think it'll get, I think it'll get to the nine and a half, 10 yeah. uh, before it's all said and yeah. done. That's what I think. Over under high as well. 62. I, I think, think I was just going to say that. I think this could be a shootout and, and I know we like saying that about certain games, but I mean, you look at both teams, they're not, both teams aren't particularly strong defensively, especially in terms of athletes and, depth so i think this could be you know who can who can score the most i mean obviously that's that's what football comes down to but um i i really wow. do think no I mean, way that's dude. in depth i don't know if i right agree there. with that one man in, <laughs> that's 
a little too out there for me. A little but... too, a uh, little too out of the clouds there for me. But uh, oh, I do want to give a shout out to Gillespie on the block on the Mike Wright run. I don't think that's got enough credit either. Great block. Yeah, he he cleared out that linebacker safety, whoever it was, and and sprung that run. I think he only had two carries for like net zero yards. Uh, coming in in relief of Ramon Davis, but he should get credit for the 44 yards that Mike Wright got on that yes. run that he, yeah, he made cleared really out with his block. block. So yeah, but will eight point uh, eight point dog versus Wake? You got it there. Opened as six and a half. I think the most it gets up to is ten. I mean, I, I don't you know I don't see it going up more than it's that. It's all going to depend on if Hartman is announced that he's going to play. It's going to be it, it'll be thirteen and a half. I don't see that happening. I I don't I just I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong. But message boards seem for Wake Forest fans to be like cautiously optimistic. I'd be shocked. I, I mean, if you bring him back for an away game against Vanderbilt, yeah. I'd be pretty surprised. But and I, also, I also have they, I haven't even seen what's going on. I don't know if there's, I mean, I, they haven't, I haven't really seen said a single exactly update. what's going on. I haven't seen a single update from Wake Forest side. So we'll have to see. Will Sam Hartman play or not? Hopefully, uh, hopefully he can get out there eventually and get healthy uh but selfishly uh vanderbilt does not want to see him one more game <laughs> sam one more game just i think you need one more game of rest and then <laughs> i will be like every thought will be with 100 percent ready to rock when you see you out on the field because yeah. uh, the worst part is i don't like when vandy plays wake forest or and i don't think they've played rutgers but like wake forest and and duke i feel like this odd kind of connection to in their football programs. It's like, I feel the pain. They feel the pain. They understand. Yeah. So usually Wake Forest, especially with the color similarities, when they're not playing Vanderbilt, that's yeah. what I pull for. And especially with Hartman being as, as likable of a guy as he is from what I've seen on yeah. that QB1 documentary and everything. So this is going to be tough. This is like my number two college football team here <laughs> on FBS that Vandy's playing against. Now there's a pretty big gap, I'll say, between number one Vanderbilt and number two uh, <laughs> FBS Wake Forest there. But we got yeah, Will. It's we got be two Will's... black and gold teams in the stadium. It always got... looks better for the crowd, though. I'll oh, say that yeah. it's like the Missouri game. Always oh, looks yeah. better on TV. Wake is Wake fans are going to try to wear a lot of gold to try to separate it somehow. Earth. Just try to. Try to... <laughs> but that, that Vandy's going problem. to it. The genius move is a gold out. Is like a Vanderbilt, like a black and gold out. Like I don't know, announce something that works into the Wake. But yeah, I <laughs> oh, know it... Vanderbilt is going to have so many shots ready to go. I know they're smart. This is one thing about the the athletic department that I trust now is they recognize this is the game you take all the overhead shots. It, this it, is it's the game. Not the, it's not the Georgia game. It's not with the red. It's not the Tennessee game with the orange. This is the game you take all the shots because then you slap one little filter over. Everybody's in black and gold. Look at mm -hmm. it. it. It's yep. great. Yep. So this is the one. And I know that you're going to see some drones and a lot of cameras out there. And that's another thing I noticed. You're talking about the game day experience. I just saw where I had written, written down is I noticed guys walking around taking pictures of kind of from different angles in the stands and different things. So it's not just that they're making better social media posts. It's everything. It's not as simple as saying we're going to make better social media content, which is kind of how I feel they've approached things in the past, which is why we were so negative on, on Candace Lee. It's yeah. actually seeing yeah. anything executed has been pretty, <laughs> pretty great to see. It's like, I have this expectation of walking into disappointment and seeing things <laughs> slightly improved. I'm like, wow, this well, is a 10% improvement over last season. <laughs> wow. Amazing. <laughs> Well, the turf looked phenomenal, though. I mean, the, so I, that was better. my that was my first look at it in person, and I mean, I did. I like I said, I did not realize how bad former turf was. 
I mean, Dude, I still think the star V looks better in the middle of the field. I think that the V is growing on me on the uniforms and on some other stuff. I think the star V looks better flat on on a field or on a court, but on like a helmet, the the yeah. other V is kind of growing on me. But they, yeah, you know, that's taking some get it's taking some getting used to. Yeah, there's a lot of new stuff. The, the new V, First Bank Stadium. There's a lot. It's just every. There's a lot of new things going on at Vanderbilt. So, uh, Vanderbilt and Wake Forest, mm, though. After well, nothing new for my entire life, there's a lot yeah. of new things. So it's and, it's and, a little weird. Everything was, that, was the exact same for the first 20 years that I had season tickets. Yeah. And then everything has changed the last three to four years. So shout out to the current administration. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep trying. Brand I'm on new the, Vandy. I'm on the train. Brand new Vandy. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, next week, I'm ready for this one. We got Vandy and Wake Forest, 11 a.m. Uh, Central Time. This, yeah, is, gotta, this is our first real early. roster breakdown. We haven't, I know. We I haven't know. really been able to dig into a roster. This is the Without, first time we'll actually get to have some data from a previous game and have a Power 5 opponent. So I'm, I'm pumped. Really. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Vandy and Wake Forest, that'll be Saturday, 11 a.m. Uh, SEC Network, SEC Nation is coming. Marty and McGee, all those guys. Tim Tebow will be on campus. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, for now, you've been listening to episode 176 of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floor.